The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Mark chapter 5 records one of the most unusual episodes in Jesus' ministry. He is on his way to do a miracle, but on the way he's interrupted and he does a miracle. And so by the time that miracle's finished, they find out the miracle that they wanted from Jesus was too late because that little 12 year old girl had died. But Jesus said, Oh, no, let's wait. Let's go see her. And we're going to see the rest of the story today. But we are in Mark chapter 5, verse 21 and following. And Alex, I really do love that section of Scripture where uh, Jesus is on his way to help Jairus' daughter. But on the way, the woman with the issue of blood touches the hem of his garment, and she's healed, and he stops, talks with her, spends time, and during that period of time, Jairus's daughter grew worse. Now, you know, I this is I love this chapter. It, it speaks well to me. But Jesus took care of both of those, did he not? Well, he really did. And Bert, it's so good to be with you. And uh, isn't this a, a, like with Lazarus? They said, "Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died." And he said, "Well, you know, this is done that the glory of God would be manifested." And Jesus is in control whether it's delivering a man from uh, demon possession or the woman with the issue of blood 12 years or, or Jairus's daughter, and our needs today, he is in control, isn't he? He is. Now, again, you notice I notice those repeated words. What you'll find out in these chapter 4 and chapter 5, Jesus crosses over. And uh, he went to the other side. Then he crosses back over. So he's going back and forth on either side of the Sea of Galilee. So in verse 21, if you have your Bibles, you can join with us. If not, just listen. And uh, we'll read most of the verses and, and try to say a word or two about them that hopefully will encourage you. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So here he is on his way. He's busy, but he stops doing that to go to a specific need. Now, Alex, I know we can say a lot about it, but I don't want to ask you something. Uh, is God ever too busy to look at someone's specific need? Never too busy. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Isn't that something? <laughs> uh, the Bible says that his ear is inclined to hear the cries of his children. The Bible says his arm is not shortened, that he can't save. Uh, he's for us, and, and he's with us, and that is a great, great, great encouragement. And, uh, you know, uh, much has been made as we get through Mark 5 here about um, the, the woman, a certain woman in verse 25, who had an issue of blood. And the way the King James words this is just very uh, revealing. She had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had. And it was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Isn't it something now, I, I, listen, I've got a great respect for the medical field and being married to a nurse. I, I deeply appreciate what doctors can do. But at least in this context, it said she had suffered many things at the hands of the physicians. But she was about to be healed by the great physician. And uh, it's it's easy to understand why many songwriters and Poets and other writers have really uh, wanted to amplify this story because it's a good one, isn't it? It really is. And and I would say this. What you see here is that uh, Jesus has that time, but she, he, he was the great physician, as you said. All three of the synoptic gospels, and you wonder what synoptic is, it means they cover basically the same thing, and that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the Synoptic Gospels. All three of these 
uh, record this exact sequence of Jairus's daughter, the woman with the issue of blood, and then going back and Jairus's daughter being uh, brought back to life. But this this woman had the issue of blood. Even Luke, the physician, lets us know that she was not getting better by spending her money on physicians. And uh, so it, it, for Luke to take a swipe at his own profession uh, speaks pretty clearly, you know, Alex? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that really, that's what scholars call the principle of embarrassment. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing. She said, if I could just touch, she reasoned within herself, at verse 28, if I touch but his clothes... I shall be whole, literally just the fringe on his garment. And many have said, well, this, you know, would be like a garment a pre, uh, rabbi would have worn. Here's the thing. A tiny little bit of Jesus is better than a whole lot of anybody else. <laughs> Amen. That, that's, that's, that would make a good song. That, yeah. It really would. You know, little is much when God is in it. It really does. Now, and, verse and, 29 notices yeah. the word immediately something happened, didn't it, Alex? Straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. I mean, this is just so beautiful. And let me just say, folks, uh, whatever you're facing, there was an old song in the 70s. I love this song. The Cathedral Quartet did it. It It's so simple, but this is 1,000% true. Jesus is right for whatever's wrong with your life. (laughs) Seriously, that's a great... It was a good gospel song, but it's a just an absolutely true song. And she knew that she was healed. And look, whatever you're facing right now, whatever you think you're up against, Jesus can help you. And Jesus is the, the, the help. Now, verse 30, I want to talk about this, Bert. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out from him, turned about in the crowd. It says the press, but it's this press of people pressing in, said, who touched my clothes? Now, Bert, what is going on here? We know the Lord knows all things, and he says, you know, and it's the word translated in the King James, virtue had gone out from him. It's power. Yeah. Uh, It's the word for dynamite, dunamis. Yes. Why did Jesus ask, who touched me? Okay, let's go back to Genesis. Have you ever, you know, the thing— beginning in Genesis, back to Genesis. And so every great theme goes back to Genesis. But let me see. After Adam sinned, he, you know, he got himself some fig leaves and covered up. And then as God's custom, he came walking and he asked Adam, where are you? Now, was it because he didn't know exactly where he was or was he asking that question for Adam's benefit? Well, it was for Adam's benefit. So who touched my clothes? It wasn't Jesus wondering. It was Jesus helping this woman to come out of that crowd and to be identified, Alex. Yes, yes. Uh, This is so precious. And, of course, uh, he asked the question because he was about to use this as a teachable moment for those all around. So he says, who touched me? And, by the way, folks, if you want a big-time blessing, Google Sam Cook. And the song, The Hymn of His Garment, they, they say that gospel, it, it'll bring you to tears, one of the great gospel songs. And they say he, he wrote that in a matter of minutes, riding in the back of a car on the way to a concert. But uh, he looks around, and the woman, fearing and trembling, verse 33, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And the, the wording there in verse 33 uh, fear and trembling is the word for phobia. She she was emotional and she was afraid. And I, I, I don't know why, because clearly J- Jesus had healed her. But Jesus said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And see, everybody's watching this. All right, Jesus, this rabbi who is the Son of God, calls her a daughter. This is one of my children. Your faith has made you whole. That woman had faith, and and that faith moved her to go to Jesus. And, Bert, isn't that what saving faith is? When we turn to Jesus and we put our trust in him, that's called saving faith, isn't it? It is, and this woman did. I want to go back to verse 31. You know, I, I love humor, and I find verse 31 
a little humorous. You may not, because I, I, I always see things sometimes that not quite as funny as, as uh, I think it is. But here it says, his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? <laughs> Can you see these guys? Okay, Jesus is not only teaching this woman. He's also doing something to these apostles as well. Have you noticed that along the way? While, like the Apostle Paul, while he was ministering to the people in the towns or the synagogues, he also had Luke with him. He'd have John Mark with him. He'd have Timothy with him. And while he was doing that, he would turn them. You remember when Jesus was feeding the 5,000? He would break it up, and he would let the 12 distribute it, and then the 12 collect it. Here, I, I find this, but his disciples said to him, and I, I'm saying it with a little bit of an attitude here, and I'm not sure that it, you see the multitude throng in you, and you say, who touched me? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. But they did not know that the power had gone out. He knew someone had touched him, and you said it earlier, by faith. Yes, yes. you can come in contact with Jesus by knowledge. You can come to contact with Jesus by hearing about him. But when you come into contact with Jesus Christ by grace through faith, it changes your life, Alex. Well, yesterday we talked about the sarcasm of the disciples when they said, and maybe even frustration and maybe even anger, when they said, do you not care? You're down here <laughs> sleeping. Do you not care that we're going to capsize and drown? And now they, like, they say, look at this multitude, this throng all about, and you're going to say, who touched me? But he knew, and he looked around, and there's this woman trembling. And, you know, a mixture of joy and fear and just all sorts of feelings. And he says, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, she was whole. Do you think maybe that uh, to remember what Jesus did for you would be— um, you know, it would be a reminder to stay encouraged, to stay joyful, grateful, obedient, because uh, you've been set free from this thing, and uh, don't don't forget who did this for you. I agree, Alex. And guess what? She had something that she had definitely not had in twelve years. There was no peace of mind, no peace in her body, no peace with the relationship. But now, peace had come through Jesus Christ, and Jesus says, "Go and live." in peace. We'll be back with more of Mark chapter 5 right after the break. Don't go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Stacy Dean, Deputy Administrator for the Food and Nutrition Service. Her office works to increase nutrition assistance for struggling families and individuals. Genesis 9-3 reminds us of God's blessings of food. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Stacy Dean as she works to improve food and nutrition for more Americans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. A nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. The Bible says faith is the evidence of things not seen. And many people aren't comfortable with that level of trust. But Dr. Tony Evans says it all depends on who you're trusting. He has a great example to share with us as we spend two minutes with Tony. A blind girl one day was caught in a fire. The fireman came to the window and said, darling, jump. She said, I can't jump, I'm scared. Another man came and said, darling, this is your father, jump. And she leaped out of that window to safety. You say, but I'm scared of blind faith. It's not blind faith when you know who you're following. Has a doctor ever given you a prescription that you couldn't even read? You mean you took that medicine on blind faith? 
You went to the pharmacist and you gave him that prescription and you don't know whether he got the right medicine or not? You mean you took it on blind faith? You took that medicine on blind faith? Why would you put something in your body that you don't understand, that you can't figure out, that you can't even read? Why would you put that in your body? I'll tell you why. Because the man who gave it to you had an MD in back of his name. You knew who he was. He had an MD in back of his name. In the back of Jesus' name, it's not an MD, but it's L-O-R-D. He's Lord. He's got some initials on the back of his name. And you ought to do what he says even though you don't understand it, even though you can't figure it out, he say, follow me. Following begins with a single step, putting your trust in Jesus Christ to forgive all your sins and guarantee you an eternal future in heaven. Tony will explain exactly what that means and how it can happen for you today. Visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link that says Jesus. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio Nobody but Jesus. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. So glad you're listening. We're in Mark chapter 5, and we would love for you to follow along if you would. And what a blessing this woman delivered after 12 years of an illness. And we're going to pick it up there at verse 35. And it says, While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? In other words, it's hopeless. Uh, the daughter has died, and there's just nothing more we can do about it. But, Bert, as is so often the case, when human hope has run out, well, that's when God can so beautifully and powerfully intervene. Amen. Here was the woman with the issue of blood who had tried everything, but she had, uh, let me say, a mustard seed of hope. Alex, you know, uh, she yeah. had spent all of her living. She'd done everything, and she touched them as garment. She was made whole. Here, these people come from from the ruler's home and said, she's dead. Don't trouble the teacher any longer. She's dead. It's over. No hope whatsoever. They had, it went from little hope from the woman to a no hope. But then as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Now, what a mm. statement. Do not be afraid, only believe. Now, I can't help but compare this to what you and I went over just a few uh, days earlier about the sea. On the sea, when he said, don't be afraid, he said, peace be still. Why are you fearful? And so the whole oath, have you noticed that Jesus continually takes a strike at fear? You know, he, Mm -hmm. he don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. Why are you fearful? So here he says, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. That was who it was. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, an uproar, and those who wept and wailed loudly. Now, in the Middle East, they are... They don't hide it in. They let yeah. their mourning out, don't they, Alex? They they do. At funerals, They you're right. They don't hold back. There's a lot of mourning. And, and understandably so, when a child dies, this is a, a damsel, as verse 41 is going to say. And Bert, um, let me just say this, and I will not belabor this point, but in the course of your ministry, you pastored and you've done so much for the Lord. Uh, did you ever have to do uh, the funeral of a child? Oh. More than once, and it is very painful, especially a child not much over than 12 years old that wasn't just died but was murdered. And mm, you talk, oh yeah, yeah, you talking about some tough stuff that's past. Let me just, I'm going to take a time out, you know. Okay, uh, Jan and on. I try to do something for pastors, and by the way, this year it's going to be in September out in Texas, uh, and we're going to have the fishbowl retreat for pastors. The information is coming out quickly but let me just say this when you call upon your pastor for these funerals and these difficult times i just want to tell you 
uh, many times it's difficult for the pastor because he is invested in them as well. His oh, life yeah. is a part of their life. I've had to do so many funerals for so many friends. But when it's a child or when it's something like this, Alex, it is amplified. You are exactly right. You know, uh, and this is part of the reason that I felt led to digress and talk about this a little bit. This is the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, Bert and I many times have pointed out when Peter so wonderfully said, and Jesus said, are you going to go away? Peter said, well, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Uh, Bert, twice I have done funerals for little children, five, six years old. I did a funeral for a teenager. And at a time like this, at an absolute time of heartbreak and tragedy, um, we have hope and joy and just absolute confidence in Jesus, if you're a believer. Bert, some years ago, uh, a pastor in Greensboro who was a dear friend, I had preached at his church many times, but on Christmas Eve, his 10 or 11-year-old son got run over by a drunk driver. He was on his bicycle, and a drunk driver ran off the road and hit this child, and they call me, and so I call this pastor friend to, and of course, I mean, Christmas Eve, goodness, you know, humanly, we have no words uh, to adequately address something like this, but you call and you just say, hey, my heart is breaking for you, we're praying for you, but he said, you know what? He said, yeah, we're devastated, but he said, we know we'll see him again. Uh, We know there's going to be a great reunion day, and it, it hurts, but to God be the glory. And see, that's why we say every show, uh, throw yourself into the arms of Christ. Amen. Build your heart, your life, your hope, your everything in the hands of Jesus. Because that really is, it is the greatest thing. But in this world, it's really the only thing, isn't it, Bert? It really is. There is no one else. And again, I've shared it. You've just shared it about that in John 6. To whom would we go? Yeah. The older I get the more I believe that, Alex. I, oh, I've, yeah. I've been around a while, and I've seen things come and go within the church, the different things they try and you, the different things. Nothing takes the place of preaching the Word of God. Nothing takes the place of giving Him praise and glory. To whom else would you go? I want to just tell you, there's nowhere else to go. And if you don't go to Him... At the end of that is hopelessness, but at the end of Jesus is hope. And you remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love, these three, hope is right in there, Alex. I mean, yes, love is greater, but I'm telling you, living with hope, the hope we have in Christ, living with the hope that that family that you were talking with that had lost their child saying, we will see him again. And uh, it, those of you who are listening, some of you may be hopeless. Put your hope in Christ Jesus. He is the one. He will see you through. Just like we were talking about the other day when the storm came in the middle of the sea, the hope they had is that Jesus said, I'll see you on the other side. That's mm-hmm. the hope we have. We will see. If you know Christ, no matter what you go through in this life, No matter the difficulties, the hardships, when you die, knowing Christ Jesus, you will, as you said, Alex, wake up in his arms. While we're saying goodbye down here, we're saying hello up there when we know him. Amen. Well, uh, in verse 38, it says, He comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and sees the, the tumult, that's the crowd, and they wept and well greatly. And Jesus comes in, he says, Why do you make all this ado, you know, much ado? Shakespeare used this word, by the way. Why do you make all this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he takes the father and mother and of the damsel that were with him and entered where the damsel was lying. So they go into this room where there's this child who has died. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talithi kuma, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was 12 years old, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. Hey, verse 42, now this is an understatement. (laughs) They say, they were astonished with a great astonishment. But Bert, walk through this with me a little bit. Jesus said 
the damsel is not dead but sleeps. Yeah. And they ridicule. Yeah. Well, notice this. In this chapter, is, and that's one reason I brought out verse 31, when the apostles, and I think there's a little bit of edge there when they said, what do you mean who touched me? You know, everybody's touching you. And here again in the same chapter, they, uh, again, they laughed at him. They scorned him. They said, we know death when we see it. We know right. But Jesus was saying, yeah, but I'm going to do something about it. It's the same thing as sleeping. I'm going to go wake her up from the dead. I'm going to yeah. wake her up from the dead. And immediately the girl arose and walked. Now, what's going to happen? Let me. I'm not saying we don't need to go back to 42, but this is the part that really, really is so important. But he commanded them strictly. No one should know it, that we've gone over that, and that something should be given to her to eat. Now, hmm. I want to just tell you, Eating after death like that, that is Jesus doing it completely. The woman with the issue of blood was healed completely. She went away in peace. This young girl who had died was raised to life again, and now she's eating completely healed. Her digestive system, nothing wrong, going complete. Alex, uh, just chapter 5 of Mark, I, I just find it amazing as you see what Jesus is doing in these miracles, doing it completely. And we've talked about it earlier, power over death, power over disease, power over elements. He is the one that can deliver, isn't he? Well, he really is. And, you know, just I love springtime because um, uh, I think Jesus whispers to all the bulbs in the ground <laughs> and the plant, wake up. Yeah. Just like he says to damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Praise God, the day is coming when Christ says uh, to this world, Behold, I make all things new. And, you know, what's interesting is uh, when he says the damsel is not dead but sleeps, and they laughed him to scorn. In other words, they were like, Oh, my goodness, this is ridiculous. Yeah. She's dead. You know, all right. The Bible, Jesus said, Peace I give to you. Uh, peace not as the world gives. And you might say, Well, uh, give me a break. There's no peace. Um, the world, Jesus makes all these promises of security, restoration, peace, prosperity, all these promises. And you say, yeah, but it's, a, I look around and the world still looks really broken to me. Do you know what the beautiful thing about Christ our Savior is? That his promises for tomorrow are ironclad as good as done. They really are. And he, he goes in there and he just touches her hand and says, wake up. And immediately, verse uh, 42, immediately she arose. And so, Bert, we can have confidence in this. And the Bible speaks of this lifetime. Even if we live three score and ten, maybe 70 years, maybe 80, 90, 100 years. Lots of people are living to be 100 years old these days. But you know what, Bert? I just think it's so beautiful the Bible calls this earthly sojourn our, quote, temporary light affliction. Right. And um, Erwin Lutz, the great Erwin Lutzer of Moody Church, wrote a book called One Minute After You Die. And, of course, for those without the Lord, it's hell. But for those that have trusted Jesus, and hard as it may be, you walk that narrow path. You are his disciple. Uh, as Lutzer says, one Minute after you die, you're in the presence of the Savior. And all that you've done for Christ, you will know it was so worth it Amen. to trust him, it is. To, to know, because Jesus will not mislead you. He will never lie to you. And when he says, I give you life and peace, that's for real, isn't it? It is real. And if you need help, you've thought about it, you've listened to Alex and myself, and you've struggled, do I really need to follow Christ? You really do. And that number that you can call to pray with someone for them to help you is 1-800-NEED-HIM. 1-800-NEED-HIM. They'll pray with you. They'll help you. They will guide you. And so come to Christ. He gives you purpose. He really does. He gives you hope. He gives you peace. Alex, really, <laughs> The most important things in this world that we have, we receive in Christ. We mm -hmm. really do. And uh, that relationship is worth it. Well, after this, in chapter 6, we're going to go ahead and dive into the first few verses of chapter 6 today. 
Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. So he's going back to Nazareth, and that's his own country, and he's going to get the greatest celebration in the world. He's going to get to do so many great things because they know he's the Son of God. Is that what happens, Alex? <laughs> uh, well, not exactly. Uh, th- this is just, again, this is a little bit ironic. You it might is, say. it is. But verse 2 of chapter 6, when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. Again, astonishment, right? Saying, from whence hath this man these things? In other words, how does he know all this stuff? How did he learn all this? And what wisdom is this which he's got and the mighty works? Now, verse 3, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Now, isn't this something? We know that they at one time ask, is this not the carpenter's son? But they say, is this not the carpenter? Now, so I'm guessing that even before this ministry, Jesus had been a working man. Yeah. Right? He had. He, had, he had worked as a carpenter, hadn't he, he? He had learned the trade from Joseph, and he had done this, and they were amazed at what he could do with his hands, and now they are amazed at his words in knowing the Word of God. And so they were offended. His family was offended, and we may have to come back and introduce this tomorrow. But real quick, let me read 4, 5, and 6, and we'll we'll close out today. Uh, until we take questions in the final segment. And that number, if you want to call right now, you can call 888-589-8840. Give us a call. We'd love to have your Bible question. Verse 4, 5, and 6, Alex says, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there. That's some of the saddest words you'll ever hear, except Mm. that he laid his hands on a few sick, people, and they were healed, and he marveled. There's only two times he marveled. This is one of them. He marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now, Alex, the other time he marveled is at the centurion's belief when he said, I have not found so great a faith, not even in Israel. The two things that makes Jesus marvel is belief and unbelief. And That's right. And Jesus is never going to reprimand a Christian and say, well, you trusted me too much. (laughs) You can't do that. Hey, folks, we're going to come back. We're going to open up the telephone lines, take your telephone calls, 888-589-8840. Call us. Call now, and you'll get get on the board, 888-589-8840. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Abraham Hamilton III. God put us in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fold because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his ambassadors, even in this dark moment. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. God made his design for marriage and family absolutely clear. Unfortunately, the world listens to Satan and therefore has a totally opposite view. Your friend who is saying, I encourage my daughter to identify as my son because I want to be loving and accepting Christian, you need to say that is child abuse. The Marriage Family Life Conference 2023 wants to restore God's plan. July 6th through the 8th at the Cadence Bank Arena and Conference Center in Tupelo, Mississippi. Strengthen your marriage and your family with Dr. Kathy Cook. So they choose the quality. They keep making the same choice. The ability develops. It becomes a natural part of who they are. It becomes a part of their character. It marks them. Ryan Bomberger. We are the ones who care for people after they're born. I mean, one of my parents adopt us and throw us in a cage. Hey, go fend for yourself. No. And many more. The Youth Apologetics Track is back as well. 
the Marriage Family Life Conference 2023 for His glory alone. Register today at marriagefamilylife.net. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has informed the Senate Armed Services Committee that the cancellation of former President Trump's border wall contracts by the Biden administration left a variety of excess materials and the total costs to store, maintain, and secure all the materials across all sites is estimated to be approximately $130,000 per day. Yep, you heard that right. The Department of Defense is spending $130,000 a day on border wall materials that are sitting in storage. Yet the American people are forced to bear the brunt of this record high immigration invasion. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Exploring the Word is back. We are so honored that you listen. We sincerely appreciate that you would listen. And by the way, the number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear from you, and you can bring a Bible question to the conversation. And I, I want to remind everybody, these shows are archived at AFR.net, as in AmericanFamilyRadio.net. You can listen again, or you could share this with somebody. You could send a link to somebody if there's something in one of these shows that you think would be a blessing to somebody you know. So check out AFR.net and also the American Family Radio mobile app, and you can listen on just all those devices that seem to have uh, taken over our lives these days. <laughs> Oh, man, right those, that, those devices. I, I, have you ever thought about getting off the grid? I don't know, oh, you yeah. know, but anyway. I, Bert, I'm hoping at the pearly gates there's maybe a big trash bin, and as we go wa- walk through, we can just throw those cell phones away. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, let's go to the phone lines. We got a full load today, so we're going to get to as many as we can. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Mark. Welcome, Mark. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um Appreciate all you guys do. At the uh, end of Deuteronomy, it talks about Moses going up on the mountain. And uh, actually, I think God takes him up there, uh, lets him look over the promised land that he can't enter. And then he dies and is uh, buried by God in the valley. The question I have is, there's an account of that as to everything that happens. And since no one went with him, who was it that wrote that account about what went on and what was said? Okay. Thank you, Mark. Great call. There are several books that are similar to that. Some things happen. Alex, uh, my personal opinion, we don't know if it was Joshua or not, but it was someone close to Moses that would uh, finish that out. And God said, I've got some more for you to do. And he had someone else do it. My personal opinion, Moses did not write it ahead. That's me now. You may differ. You know, I, I'm with you. Um, one of the Jewish uh, godly people wrote it. By the way, it's interesting, you know. Uh, in the Bible, we've got the Lord performed a marriage in the Garden of Eden, but we know the Lord also performed a funeral because it says in Deuteronomy 34, 5, and 6 that Moses died and uh, the Lord buried him in a valley in the land of Moab. Isn't that something? Yes. But we also know that the Lord... Um, he he crashed a couple of funerals too, didn't he? <laughs> he really did. But um, you know, I've a lot of people think a very likely uh, stenographer, or it, I've heard you use the word amanuensis, although I don't know that's exactly accurate in this case. Maybe Joshua, but there have been, and this is kind of a minority opinion. Somebody said, "Well, prophetically, Moses wrote it ahead of time." I don't think that really. It would have been either maybe Joshua. Or, or you know, one of the godly people, some have wondered if it was Samuel. Right. I just don't know. We don't know. But listen, uh, it is the Word of God. Jesus gave us that, and I go back. If you trust God to write it, you trust God to collect it, and he added to it who he would when he needed it to. We don't add to it. God did it. That's the important part, Alex. You know, uh, it wasn't yes. man adding to that, that Moses, but it was God. Now, let's go to Texas. 
Welcome, Joe. Yes, I was. Uh, I love y'all's program, and I just want to thank y'all for everything you guys do. I get to listen to you at work in my delivery truck every day. Wow. But I was wondering if you guys could could recommend a, a good Bible study for me. I understand that we're not ever going to understand everything in the Bible till we get to heaven, but uh, just something. Um, I kind of started in the New Testament, got the numbers, and then <laughs> ended up, or the Old Testament, and ended up at numbers, and then kind of started in the New Testament, and I'm at First Peter. But do y'all have any favorites that y'all have? Okay, Joe, let me give you something that has blessed me. I don't know if you ever heard of Walk Through the Bible Ministries or not. Bruce Wilkinson, he's the one that wrote the prayer of Jabez, just he has some, and you can go on their their website, walk through the Bible, and they have Bible studies, personal and collective, that you can go through that gives you an overview of the whole Bible. Now, what happens, I really do believe a lot of people gets bogged down, even reading through it, because where does this fit? Where does this fit? And walk through the Bible better, I'll just say it, Alex, better than anybody that I've ever seen, gives you the full picture and then after that, you dive in, and you can do that uh, any book you would desire. You may have a better suggestion. Go ahead, Alex. Well, th- this is good, and there, there are so many good things online. Uh, there's an online commentary, and I don't know this gentleman. I would love to meet him, but I've really appreciated Enduring Word by a pastor named David Guzik, G-U-Z-I-K. But, Bert, I was in a bookstore yesterday, and I saw a classic what the Bible is All About by Henrietta Mears, M-E-A-R-S. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I first got a copy of that many years ago from the Billy Graham ministry, and it's been put in, if I recall, a hundred different languages, what the Bible is all about. Henrietta Mears was a lady. She had huge impact into the life of Billy and Ruth Graham, Bill and Vonette Bright, even uh, J. Vernon McGee, who was a pretty renowned Bible teacher in his own right. And let me just say one final thing. We're going to go to more calls. A great ministry is Love Worth Finding, uh, the, the ministry of the late, great Adrian Rogers. And Love Worth Finding is one of the sponsors of our upcoming conference in Paris, Tennessee, April 21 through 23. And on their website, Adrian Rogers, and uh, back me up here, Bert. Was he a giant? Was I, he good? <laughs> in my, I'd say in my lifetime, he's the <laughs> greatest preacher i heard i'll put it that i he what he could do he could take the most difficult passages the most difficult theological issues and give real meaning to it to so you could understand it uh adrian rogers i i I know no one any better in my lifetime if if you google love worth finding or adrian rogers and he he's in heaven now but there are so many resources there, and of course, you know, at the risk of sounding self-serving, uh, listening to this program and the book, the we've done one book, 100 Bible Questions. We have a second one coming out this fall. But, Bert, this is a great day to study the Word and to be a disciple yeah. of the Scriptures, isn't it? It is. The, I, my suggestion, after you get saved, I, I believe in reading John, First John, Mark, but I want to just tell you, after you do that, you want an overview it helps to have, like like in your college or in, if you didn't go to college, you do it in seminary, they have a survey course, and the survey course sets it all up, and then you go back and you fill in on these books. So that And the one you talked about, Henrietta Mayers, is that right, Mayers? Yeah, yeah. That's what the, the Bible one. is yeah, all about. That'd be good. Okay, let's go to North Carolina. Marilyn, a first-time caller, thank you for calling, Marilyn. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, uh, my question is in First Corinthians chapter eleven, where it talks about a woman um, covering her head. Um, so in verse five, it says, "But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonor her head. But that for that is even all one is if she were shaven." But then it goes on and talks about in verse fifteen. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So is the verse talking about her hair being her covering, or do a woman supposed to cover her head when she's, you know, prophesying? Marilyn, thank you for calling. Great question. 
Let me share this, and I th- the first time I ever dealt with this was in college at Blue Mountain, and Dr. James Travis, he said, if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, just about everything that Paul was answering was issues that that church was going through. It was Now, the issues are correct, and you take it as God's word, but they were specific issues that Corinth was taking place, like eating meat offered to idols. That was their issue. Here, it is an issue of identity. The, the women uh, cutting their hair, Alex, those that cut their hair were in Corinth were temple prostitutes, so they said, mm-hmm. don't you identify with them. The whole idea is identity as much as anything. Identify as a female and identify as a follower of Christ, female. Alex, go ahead. Bert, I, I just can't even add to that. You stated that so perfectly, and it really does. Um, regardless of, of what we wear or how we act, uh, and like you say, it, this cultural custom, uh, the length of hair, we're identifying that we are a follower of the Savior, and we are living righteous lives like he calls us to, and not lives like the sinful, uh, like you said, the temple prostitutes in Corinth. Because Corinth was a very um, oh, man. ungodly city, wasn't it? It really was. It uh, it would be San Francisco, New Orleans of our day where you had sections of it that was just completely given over to to immorality. And, I, I, you know, I don't know how else to say that any other way. Thank you, Marilyn, for your call. Thank you for first-time caller. Let's go state. Well, we're staying in North, uh, North Carolina. My and, yeah, we are, and we're going to Linwood. Linwood, welcome. Uh, how you doing? Good evening. Good. Go ahead, brother. Okay. Uh, I read the Bible, and my I had kind of a question on the defiled bread in Ezekiel 412. I'm just trying to understand what is really going on, and uh, he had to eat the defiled bread and the Israelites. I just want to get an understanding of what is really going on in Ezekiel 412 and the uh, defiled bread. Okay. Let me make this statement about Ezekiel. Uh, he was a preacher, a prophet, but he was an illustrator of truth with <laughs> with life and with objects, wasn't he, Alex? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, um, let me encourage you to get the King James Bible and read the very pictorial way they describe that defiled bread in Ezekiel 4.12. Um, all right, this is pre-Christ, and keeping the law was a very, very important thing, wasn't it? And to be clean, ceremonially clean, because going through the rituals and staying ceremonially clean was, um, you know, an important thing about being close to God. And I know that it talks about in verse 1 of Ezekiel 4 about, you know, uh, portraying something. In other words, take a tile and let me show you this lesson I'm trying to teach you, and then take these barley and wheat and make this defile bread. Um, Bert, it was about um, Israel and the future and the judgment for their uncleanness because there was food that was prepared kosher and holy, and there was unkosher. The good news, here's one of the main takeaways from this whole thing, that in Christ we have fulfilled the law. Now, we didn't do it, and in fact we can't do it, but the righteousness of Christ is our righteousness if we're a believer in him, isn't it? It is. You know what our righteousness is compared to? The best we can do? Filthy rags. I Mm. mean, uh, and they're rejected. Filthy rags are rejected. We have nothing on our own that brings us to that point. Only in Christ. Thank you, Linwood. Let's go to Alabama and talk to Daniel. Welcome, Daniel. Hello? Yes, you're on, brother. Thank you for calling. Okay. Hearing y'all discuss the uh, lady with the issue... I had heard theologians say before, and I'm not going to be able to word this exactly right, we know God was fully man and fully God. And I've heard it said that maybe he was totally man at that point and did not know who touched the hymn. And there's a Bible verse that said when Jesus heard that John the Baptist was killed, well, if he was omniscient at that point in his uh, ministry, why would he have to hear that John the Baptist died? Let me take you, Daniel, thank you. Good good thinking, good reasoning. Let me start out with, with uh, Philippians chapter 2. 
and it's called the divine kenosis, when Jesus purposely limited himself and became obedient to the cross. Go back to what it says, and Jesus grew in knowledge of God. He purposely, let me, and I can't say that word loud enough and long enough, he purposely did some things for him for when because when he was tempted, he was tempted. It wasn't fake temptation. Oh, I'm God. I'll throw it off. No, it's real temptation, Alex. We can't take that away uh, and not realize that Jesus was that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, much has been made about the incarnation, how God put on a human body, and the degree to which his human um, attributes were voluntarily limited. Now, he never ceased to be God. He was fully deity. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, he was hungry. He felt pain. And at least to a degree, uh, there were some things that he—let let me just say, he didn't exercise his omniscience. That would be it. That's, at, that's at good, chance. Alex. That's perfect. He, he yeah. could have, couldn't he? He, he really could but have. he chose not to? Yeah, and in fact, probably the most famous time where he voluntarily limited his omniscience, and omniscience means knowledge of everything, uh, but when he said, of that day or hour knoweth no man, not the Son, not the angel, only the Father, the day of his return, at least while he was here on earth, I mean, he at least, at least in this point, didn't even um, know the time of the end of the world. He said that knowledge was strictly reserved for the Father in heaven. So, um, boy, the, the incarnation, and it, it is just a beautiful but uh, profound reality, isn't it? It is. Listen, it, it's going to push us to get—let me read Edwin from Iowa. Edwin's talking about the millennium. A third made it in. What portion of the Gentiles will make it? What portion are saved in the tribulation? Alex, we know it's a great multitude who came out of it, don't we? Yeah, we do. A, a multitude that no man could number. Uh, so it's going to be a bunch. But let me say this. You don't want to have to go through the tribulation. Uh, and I really do believe in the rapture. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Jew, Gentile alone, uh, so, as the old song says, some through the fire, some through the flood, but all through all, the blood. All through the blood. Yes. Amen. Well, we would have loved to have gotten to Jeff and Steve, but hey, tomorrow we'll be back in chapter 6 of Mark, and then on Friday, we'll have Fire Away Friday, where we take as many phone calls as we can and give as many answers as we can. So, Alex, uh, it's been a joy to be with you here today on Exploring the Word. Folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Uh, we're going to continue on tomorrow with more of uh, the Gospel of Mark. Read on ahead in chapter 6 and following if you want to. Uh, please know that we're so grateful for you and all your prayers and support, and uh participation in the show. Tell somebody about American Family Radio if you would, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. I'll be back an hour from now on the Hamilton Corner. Join us. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.